The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. Today, we are going to be doing our top 10 guitar instrumental songs. Songs where there are basically no words and the guitar is what is holding the melody. The idea for this basically, I think, came out of our um, guitar solos episode where I specifically told Adam he couldn't use a specific song that he really wanted to because the whole song was basically a guitar solo. Uh, And so I I fully expect to see that song on this list. I will be surprised if it it? doesn't show up. Hmm, Uh, I will be surprised if it's not in the upper half. Um, But... Uh, there have been a lot of really, really good instrumental guitar songs out there, and so we decided to count down our top ten. And we're gonna do, we're gonna allow both uh, electric and acoustic, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of add some variety, which actually made my job a little bit harder mm-hmm. because that opened it up to a wider variety of styles. And I gotta be honest. I got a pretty damn big, wide variety of styles on my list. I feel like I do, too. Um, You know, we've always had a a strong, eclectic love of different styles of music. And I think you can see that by just going through our different album reviews. Uh, And I think that shows pretty darn well on on my on my list. I mean, I know at least like the first the top five are all very different styles. Um, Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what you got. I am too. Uh, well, let's see what I have. I'm interested to see what you, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what you have. Uh, so I, I really got nothing more to add. I'm really just kind of ready to jump into this list. Yeah, we've. Got, I mean, we're gonna have a bunch of different songs. I'm yeah, very curious what kind of overlap we've got. I think maybe there's there's definitely a chance for a couple. Um, right. But I, I think there's gonna be a, a the vast majority or not the vast, but I think there will be the majority are gonna be ones that you know we don't that we don't have on the same list. I will say there's. There's a lot like for this list I had to I had to do a good bit of research because there were a mm-hmm. few that I came off of the, off the top of my head and a lot of those ended up being pretty high on my list because those are the ones I could immediately think of that I know I love but then I kind of went through a bunch of research and like looked at and listened to a lot of different stuff and I was like, "Oh yeah, I really like that." And then kind of like, you know, some of them kind of ended up pretty darn high on my list because I didn't really know them all that well or if at all before this. But then once I started listening, I'm like, crap, I, I can't turn this off. It's so good. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in and I'll start off. I normally throw to you, but I'm going to start everything off uh, this time. We'll just keep, we're going to keep the same back and forth. Okay. Uh, all right. So what I picked for my number 10, I had a pretty big list of, of songs. What I ended up picking for my number 10, the reason I wanted to highlight it on this list is it is the only instrumental song to be banned by mainstream radio. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it was banned back in 1958 when this song came out. People are stupid. And they basically did it because of the title. Okay. Not because of the content of the music, basically just because of the title, because they felt like it was going to uh, incite uh, some naughtiness um, by probably young men. Um, it is uh, the 1958 song Rumble by Link Ray. <laughs>
actually not even that naughty of a song title. Like I thought no. it was going to be something super sexual <laughs> that you said. That's it. But yeah. No. Yeah, um, it's a pretty well-known song. I'm sure mm-hmm. people heard have heard it in radio yeah. and TV and movies and stuff like that. Um, and it's a fairly simple song. It's pretty much just chords mm-hmm. with a few licks here. It's a very simple one, um, but it's kind of got a reputation because it was banned, and and so I think that that's it right. just needed to be featured. So sure. that's how it ended up as my number ten. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that one through my research, and yeah, I, I actually recognized it once I heard it. I was like, okay, I've definitely I've heard this either in movies or other stuff, something. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a good song. Surprising. I'm still shocked that it got. <laughs> 50s come on people it was the 50s it's the 50s fucking 50s people were dumb all right what is your number 10 uh my number 10 is actually one of the songs that i immediately thought of um and i thought it was gonna be and i thought it was gonna be higher on my list but honestly when i kept kind of like i did a back and forth i made like a little playlist for myself um and i kind of i do back and forth listens and then kind of move some up move down this one was probably in my like the top three or top four when i just Mm -hmm. initially started the list and then it just kind of kept making its way down I enjoy the song. It's almost almost like a poppy guitar rock song, but it's mm-hmm. one that I think a lot of people think of uh, with guitar instrumentals. I went with Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. Higher on my list. Okay. Okay. Uh, my number nine. Um, I mean, it has a chance for it to be on your list. I, I, I fully have expected. First of all, I know that you know the song. If you don't know it by name, you've heard it before. Um, and if it didn't make your initial 10, I, I fully expected that you probably listened to it. I'll be surprised if you didn't. But it was funny. It was when I was researching the song, th- the lyrics kept popping up. And I'm like, lyrics? There's no lyrics in the song. And then I realized it is an instrumental version of a kind of like a Middle Eastern or Turkish song um, that they just, it, it's just the guitar player just plays the melody. Um, and you've heard it from all kinds of things to being sampled in a Black Eyed Peas song to opening up the great film Pulp Fiction. Uh, my number nine is Miserloo by Dick Dale. Higher on my list. Okay. We'll talk about it then. Uh, your number nine then. All right. My number nine. I don't expect this one to be on your list, um, but this is an artist who I really wanted to make sure hit my list. Um, because I think not a lot of people know about him, but he is an incredibly impressive guitarist, and he's got an interesting style uh, because he wears a mask and a KFC bucket on his head. I am talking <laughs> Buckethead, uh, but the song I chose is For Mom. Uh, not on my list. So this is a completely different type of song than you mostly think of when I think of Buckethead. Um, Buckethead is typically very experimental, um, mm-hmm. almost like he's a guitar shredder. Like the guy can play insane. Yeah. I, I almost went with Welcome to Buckethead Land, which is a fantastic song. Um, this one came out on his 1998 album Colma, um, which is a record he created and he did for his mother who was sick with colon cancer at the time. And he wanted to make an album that she would enjoy listening to. 
you know, as opposed to kind of his regular style. Um, I just think this song is very beautiful. I think there's a this story that I feel that it kind of comes behind the album that helps me really enjoy it. And it is kind of like almost easy listening. And I, I appreciate that. Hell, we've talked Yanni and things like that. And I love, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of his stuff. And it's just such a different style to his stuff, but I really wanted to make sure I highlight Buckethead because he's he's such an interesting guy, um, and I really think he is a fantastic guitarist. But this one has more of the emotion and the beauty behind it than some of his other stuff. Cool. What year did that song come out? Uh, 98. Okay. I didn't remember Buckethead being so prevalent in the 90s. but Yeah, he was. Uh, his first album came out like in like the early 90s even, like 92 okay. or 3 or something. So yeah, he's, he's been cool. around for a while. Okay, my number eight, um, I chose this song not because I think it's his best instrumental, uh, but because I think the one that is his best instrumental is already going to get mentioned. <laughs> so I wanted to highlight a different one in a different style uh, that he does. We talked about it back when we talked about The Sky is Crying uh, from 1991. I, of course, am talking about Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I'm talking about the song Wham. It's a fast, it's a really yeah, fast-paced fast. song, um, and which I think showcases a little bit more of that style. Some of the other ones that I that I'm we might hear, he has at least two that I think could have made your list that are really really good. Um, one of which I think also was on this album, mm-hmm. um, yeah. are a little bit more laid back, mm-hmm. and and more sort of the slow blues. This one's very very fast paced and stuff like that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to showcase a song that's slightly different. Yeah. So. That's a really good call. Um, yeah, that 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 song is not on my list, uh, but yeah, I can't remember if there are lyrics to Scuttlebutton. That's another really good one. I think it. Might, I don't know if that is. Inter, uh, I don't know. That is also a really good guitar performance. Yes. Regardless. Yeah, but no, that's fantastic choice. Uh, all right, what was your number eight? Uh, my number eight is from I would say a one of the preeminent guitar virtuosos he is kind of known as being a guitar god Uh, and this is a song i discovered in doing my research it came out in 1990 um and maybe you'll have it i'd be surprised but you definitely know the guitarist steve vai he is phenomenal and i went with his song for the love of god uh did not make my list That one came up in, in doing my research because I have never actually listened to a lot of Steve Vai, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, but and it's a great song. It just was not one I was making a connection with. Sure. Uh, there's something about it. I just really enjoyed it. Like, you know, the guy is definitely a legend in the guitar world. Um, and there was just 
there's the the shredding aspect. Like I love it when guitars just go crazy fast and they could just still articulate their guitar sounds mm-hmm. very well. Um, yeah. And apparently, I read on this one, it's so he wrote this track, he recorded this track. I mean, on the fourth day of a ten day fast. Uh, so he hadn't eaten in over four days. Oh, and God. during an interview, he explained, I do try to push myself into relatively altered states of consciousness because in those states, you can come up with things that are unique even for yourself. Um, so not a surprise, but yeah, he just kind of was just feeling and grooving. And I really, I feel like the emotion on the song and there's still just a lot of this almost intense anger with the guitar at, at moments as well. So I really liked this one. Cool. That's cool. I like that. I you can hear just in that short clip that I we heard, um, you can hear the emotion mm-hmm. in there. So yeah. it, it's very intense. I like that. Uh, okay, my number seven. I do not expect to see on your list. Uh, I delved uh, into my history with uh, classical music. Okay. Uh, for this one, and uh, I've had this one piece of music that I've loved for years. Uh, was written by a composer named uh, Hector Villalobos, a South, I believe, South American composer. Um, and in the year two thousand, uh, there's a company in called Naxos. Year Naxo- two thousand. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Uh, there is a company called Naxos that puts a, puts out a lot of classical music CDs. Or, okay. And and uh, when I was in college, I was buying a ton of them. One because they were cheap. No one was buying them, so. You know, my buddy and I would go to Borders Books, and we would buy like four or five of them at a time mm. um, of recordings that we wanted to hear of certain, you know, classical pieces. Um, and I bought this particular one where uh, a guitarist named Norbert Kraft, who is a very well-known classical style guitarist, uh, played his music. And my favorite one is the very first one off that list. It is called Choros Number no. One, in quotations, Typico. Not on my list. Classical guitar is one of those things I could just listen to all day. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's it's very calming and stuff like that, especially if you have somebody who's really, really good and really can bring out all the different voices that you can play with. Um, and I I really had never had a an excuse to talk about classical music on this podcast a lot. It happens on occasion. Um, but I wanted to showcase a piece that I really, really loved. Um, uh, the piece itself was, I believe, I can't remember when it was written, but it definitely was before 2005, which is kind of where we, uh, draw our lines. Uh, so I just wanted to, I wanted to showcase a little bit of the classical side. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds very pretty. I could see that. Yes. Like I could see us having dinner to that, that music. Yes. And I actually have before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've been at a dinner where a live guitar player in a restaurant actually played that song. Nice. And I was I was the only one who was like freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, it's feel almost. <laughs> Everyone else was like, shut up and eat your part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, what was your number seven? Uh, my number seven is another song that I actually didn't know until I did my research, but I just kind of fell in love with it. I listened to it. I've listened to it a lot um, since I started doing the research for this one. It first came out in 1998, but there was actually a a version 
that uh, this guy released in 2015 as a single. That uh, That's the version I've been listening to more, but it, it first came out in 98, so I'm allowing it. Um, and that version is, is great, too. Uh, and it's John Butler and his song, Ocean. Not familiar with it. So the song's about 12 minutes, um, or a little mm-hmm. less than, but it's it, it was originally released uh, in part of his group, the John Butler Trio. Um, but like I said, I can listen to that version. I can listen to pretty much any of them. Um, but it's it's a unique song to me, and it's, it's long where it really takes you on a journey, I feel like. It's one that... It's beautiful, almost got like even maybe hints of like Irish sound to it at times, um, mm-hmm. but it just feels like to me the song has has a voice of its own, and it feels like I'm, I mean, with a song that's 12 minutes long, you got to have a, a flow to it, and I feel like the song really flows, and I absolutely loved it, so wanted that's to make cool. sure it gets to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one. That's a, that's a very pretty song. I like that. Okay. Uh, okay, my number six. My number six has a chance of being on your list only because it comes from a CD that our mother had. And it was actually from a compilation CD, so it wasn't just them. Um, and this is a duet. It is a guitar duo. Yeah. Strunz um, and Farah. Str- it's Strunz and Farah, yes. Yeah. Not on my it's list. Strunz- okay. So it's Strunz and Farah are, are the artists. Um, I actually found out later, I actually found out in like 98, I think it was, a buddy of mine from high school, his mom at one point was married to one of them. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and I found this out because I think it was like, or maybe it was in '99. Um, I went to I went to a drum corps audition for the first time. This is before I actually marched, because um, he had marched the year before, and so he was going up. So I went up just to try it, just to do the audition. Um, and on the way back, he started playing Strunz and Farah, and I'm like, oh. This is Strunz and Farah. And he goes, how do you know who they are? And I'm like, oh, well, my mom listens to them. And then he told me, oh, yeah, my mom, who was actually right there, was married to one of them <laughs> at one point. So it was kind of a cool little kind of circle. I've actually seen them perform live. I've actually seen them perform this song live. Okay. Um, and it is a great, great feature for the guitar. It is called Twilight at the Zug. It's a great little instrumental song, mm-hmm. really good focus, and some pretty fast technical playing yeah. uh, by Strunz and Farah on that on that tune. I almost forgot about it, honestly. It was a late addition to my list um, because I was kind of just looking through all of my stuff, and then it came up, and I'm like, oh, my God, how did I forget about this mm-hmm. this song? 
Yeah, I'm not surprised. I actually didn't listen to enough of Strunson Fair for my research, but I should have because they do have a nostalgic value, mainly because they were played pretty often in the house because mom had a couple of their albums, yeah. at least one string weave. Is that one of those called? Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe I, that was one. I, it's, um, it's just in the head because because yeah. it was all is one of the CDs I always remember being near the CD player because mom played it enough. Yeah. And they were in, I think they were introduced to us uh, f- uh, from the Putumayo Presents yeah. series. Uh, it was the Best of World Music Volume 2, the instrumental version. There were a lot of instrumental nice. songs. There were a couple of other uh, songs that were on there. Actually, Bella Fleck had a song on there that was nice. really good. Uh, Outback, who is another uh, band I've, I've got a CD of, that was really good. And it just it was it was a fun way to introduce to introduce them. And I think back in '08, Mom told me that they were going to be in town, and so I got tickets and went to go. Very nice. Uh, took I took my wife and and we we went and honestly it was a fantastic show. It was in like a small room. Yeah, and they were they were amazing. I bet. I bet they were great live. Uh, okay, what is your number six? All right, my number six, I think, has a chance to be on your list. It really depends on if you consider this a guitar instrumental song. It's definitely instrumental, but it also highlights like an organ sound as well. But there's definitely guitar in there, and, and guitar is highlighted, at least for part of the song. And very nostalgic, I went with Booker T and the MG's Green Onions. Didn't I considered the organ the main instrument, okay. and so I didn't put it on my list. But it was definitely one of the first one that came up, and I'm a huge fan of that song. Sure. So yeah, it, it really kind of t- toes the line on you know because it kind of there are times the guitar is the lead, the time the organ's the lead. Um, but it came out in 1962, and it's not the most technical of a lot of the other songs I've got right. on my list are much more technically impressive. But this song, it just you can't help but like groove to it, I man. Say, I was just gonna say it grooves, which it is sometimes it's more important. And then you tie that to the nostalgia of an iconic scene in, in Sandlot and it's just iconic yeah. song played through it. It's it's just it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. and the song is it's dripping with bluesy goodness, as I put it as well. Like <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it's kinda you can't help but kind of just like bob your head and just love it. My number five Again, maybe has a chance, but I don't think you listen because this is another one of a of an albums that our mother had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think um, you got into this group as much as I did. Um, so much so that I actually stole the CD from our mother, and <laughs> she got mad at me because I took it to college with me. <laughs> she she was uh, she was not happy about that. I actually also saw this group in concert with our mother. Um, and uh, I believe her at the time boyfriend Raphael, who was mm-hmm. who was there, who was a, who was a, actually a pretty prominent figure, I think, in our childhoods. And he was for me because yep. it was he. They were together around the time I was learning to play guitar. Gotcha. He took me to to buy my first guitar. He kind of nice. taught me a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of of uh, nostalgia with that one. Um, and the band itself, it's three guys. It's a bass player, it is a guitar player, and it is a dobro, which I'm going to count as a guitar because it is a guitar. You just hold it flat and you play it slightly differently than the regular guitar. 
Uh, it's by, it, they're just, it's just their names, Edgar Meyer, Jerry Douglas, and Russ Berenberg uh, off the Hop, Skip, and Wobble CD from 1993. It is called Big Bug Shuffle. That song is not on my list. It's a it's a very sort of lighthearted, upbeat, yeah. catchy beautiful. song. Beautiful song beautiful. by three master musicians mm-hmm. uh, on their instruments. And this album has a really special place in uh, my heart um, for a si- for a simple moment. Sometimes these little moments that happen in our lives really kind of stick with us. And one time we were back in Iowa visiting our grandparents. And uh, our grandmother, who just recently passed, actually, um, was having a get together. You know, as often whenever we came back, because mm-hmm. we were we were really the only ones who uh, yeah. didn't live in town. Um, and so, you know, all of our cousins came over, and our um, uh, aunt, Chuck's wife, oh Jane, Jane, uh, Jane came over, and Jane and I bonded on music. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and I were talking about stuff and I had this CD with me and I was talking about it and I said, I've got it. We went out to her car and we listened to a couple of parts of a few tracks, we, you know, just enough. And she loved it and eventually bought it herself. Oh, nice. And so that, that was like a, a special moment, uh, that I had with Jane that didn't happen too often. Um, Jane didn't hang out all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with us, she, you know, I mean, she was always cordial and she oh, was yeah. very, very lovely woman. Um, but you know, she didn't hang out with us as, as much. And it was, it was a special moment, especially because we lost her. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember when that happened. Um, it feels like both not a long time ago and a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. It, it's time. in a weird spot. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just one of those memories I have of her that I hold on to cause it's such a, it's such a nice memory. Um, so anyway, that was my number five. Uh, what was no, what was yours? Funny enough, I th- I seriously thought you were going to say my number five ah. because my number five also highlights Jerry Douglas and his amazing Dobro skills. Okay, and it's also from an album that Mom had. Uh, <laughs> and um, but mine is from uh, there was particular. There's a live album of Allison Krauss and Union Station, and Jerry Douglas was part of Union Station, and he wrote this one. Um, I will say there is a version that I've been listening to more that he does just him with his dobro along with Tommy Emmanuel on uh, the guitar, who's a phenomenal guitar, acoustic guitar player. And this version does kind of bounce between dobro as the lead, banjo, and then um, Allison Krauss. Uh, but I'm certain... This one's not on your list because you already had Jerry Douglas on your list. You probably don't have this one as well. Um, And I'm talking, I think, the absolute fantastic song, Choctaw Hayride. (laughs) 
I can listen to Jerry Douglas play all fucking day. He's so good. Like that Dobro with with his slide, it's just amazing what he can do with that guitar, that guitar style. So Dobro that not, I don't maybe you guys don't know what a Dobro is. Um could you explain it's got like a steel center thing. Yeah, so it's a guitar, it's got a little steel center in it. It is actually typically played flat. Mm-hmm. So either either you have a strap on and you hold the guitar flat or sometimes you will just sit down and put it on your lap. So it is not played. You also will play it uh with um, sometimes they will use a pick, sometimes they will use finger picks, kind of like yeah, a banjo he, he uses. Used finger picking. Yes. And then they'll use uh, they'll hold something in their left hand and they'll slide um, on the on the strings up and down. So you don't actually push the strings down per se like you would on a guitar. Yeah. Um, it is just a, it's another way. It's kind of kind of like a what's called a, a lap steel guitar, mm-hmm. um, which you, which is slightly it's a slightly that's a slightly different instrument, although it's based on the same idea. Um, but it's just taking that and putting it in a guitar form, um, and it kind of gives you like. Almost guitar, almost lap steel, almost, almost banjo, banjo a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. If, a, if an acoustic and a banjo kind of had a baby, you get yeah. It, it's it's one where it's it's hard to explain, but you know it when you hear it. As soon as yeah. you hear it, you're like, absolutely, that's a dobro, and yeah. that I would count as a guitar. Which yeah. I had to. I was a little. If there was actually a song um, that I really wanted to put on this list, uh, but it's a Bella Fleck tune, and the guitar doesn't feature prominently. It does mm-hmm. feature, but not prominently. It's mostly banjo and mandolin. And though they are very guitar similar, yeah. they are not guitars, so I didn't want to put it on this list. Sure. So, uh, but uh, you can never go wrong with mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Douglas, and obviously Union Station was a fantastic band. Yeah, and you get it's yeah you get this amazing bluegrass feel to this song, obviously with with all this stuff. Um, apparently, Jerry Douglas, so he wrote the song, and he said uh, what he what he wrote about it because later in the song, at some point, um, he has kind of. Alison Krauss fiddle on it, you know, and she's a very mm-hmm. good, he says, he says, I wanted to hear Alison play fiddle. She was going farther and farther into just being a vocalist and hold and just holding the fiddle, but she's a good fiddle player. And I thought uh, for our show, we needed to showcase that too. Um, mm-hmm. So we kind of did this one, but his Dobro playing is just, it's mesmerizing to me. Yeah. It is next level. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, our dad liked to talk about, there was another guy who I, you said his name I'd remember, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It's like every other year, this guy and Jerry Douglas would go back and forth at the like the Bluegrass Awards for oh, Best Dobro Player of the Year, and <laughs> still do for probably mm-hmm. like the last thirty or forty years because there's <laughs> just nobody as good as him. Mm-hmm. It's him and this other guy. They just go back and forth. Uh, okay, uh, number four. Uh, my number four um, is uh, from Joe Satriani. He's kind of one of those big three guys from the early '90s, those sort of rock, in the late '80s too, um, kind of rocking guitar guys who did these guitar solo projects um, where the, they let the guitar, you know, much like the Steve Eyes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and this one is not a particularly technically amazing song, but God damn it, is it beautiful! Uh, in fact, one of my buddies used it as his wedding song that he danced with his wife to. Uh, at the wedding it is from his 1987 album surfing with the alien it is called always with me always with you
it's one of the I've never been like I said I've never been a huge guy into like the Steve Vai's, the Satriani's, mm-hmm. the um you know some of the other guys, the Eric Johnsons and stuff like that. But each of them has usually like at least one song yeah. where I'm like, "Oh man, that's a cool song." And for me this was the one for Satriani. So I, I had a Satriani song that actually was like number eleven. So it would have been, you know, an honorable okay. mention. I had Satch Boogie. Um, okay. He just goes to yeah, town that, on that song. Yeah, that's a huge song for Satriani. But I really like the 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 one that you just played because, in particular, there's other stuff behind it. that that the guitar really stood out as if it's it's doing the vocal. Like it really yeah. just kind of calling like, hey, I'm not singing on this song. But my guitar is going to be doing the lead vocal on it. It just felt it felt like that vibe. Like it really stands out. And the melody is so simple. It is almost as if he took a song, an existing song, and just mm-hmm. played the melody. Like I could hear words yeah. being put to this as a you know as a as a ballad of some kind. Um, and it is it, it's from 1987. It's very kind of 80s with a really really reverbed clap backbeat <laughs> <Yeah>. going on. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that, um, but man, it is—it's a gorgeous song. Mm-hmm. All right, what is your number four? All right, uh, my number four um, is one another one that I did not really know all that well before doing some research, um, and it's just oh my god, a guy who shreds on guitar, and I really found myself just lost in this song. Uh, the band is Racer X, and this song is Technical Difficulties. Uh, not on my list. So that's cool. Uh, it, yeah, it, I mean, it has like almost like a, a hair metally feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, it came out in 1999, but it, the the guitarist for Razor X is Paul Gilbert, and he's better known to us as the co-founder of the band Mr. Big. So he does okay. have like that that hair metal vibe to him. Um, yeah. But man, the song just it just hits me with emotional like guitar shredding. It's so fucking good. And I get to like this two minute, two and a half minutes in or so. And I just get lost in it when he just really starts to move fast. And I just, I love it. I found myself just really kind of zoning out to this song. Nice. That was cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear more of it. Yeah. Sounds, it sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's I think really cool about this list that we're doing is, Hopefully, some people will really check out these songs that we're we're talking. About. If you like guitar virtuoso songs, you know this is a, I think a fun list to throw out. I agree. Uh, okay, top three. My number three was one that you've already mentioned, uh, and that was Eric Johnson's "Cliffs of Dover."
came off of the 1990 album Ah via Musicom. And the reason it is so high up on my list is this was one of the first sort of guitar songs of its type mm-hmm. that I heard as a kid. Yeah. And the melody, the main melody, stuck with me. It's I mean, so it is, fucking catchy, man. It is. It is. It's, it's a poppy version. I mean, yeah. but in a in all of the good ways. I mean, so catchy. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and very, you know, show offy, very technical. Yeah. He, you know, he goes ham on his solos, and also, you know, because it, because it 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 kind of swings a little bit. Is it? It, when it comes back to that, I agree. Like it gives it that poppy feel um, that just makes it so much fun every time that that part comes back. Um, and it was one of the first times I tried to learn how to do this. I wasn't very successful, especially <laughs> as a kid. Also, I was learning to play all these songs on an acoustic on the on an acoustic guitar, which was the only one I had, which made it much more difficult because a lot of these songs use really up the higher register, which you can't get to as easily on an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar because it's kind of not really meant for that. But sure. Uh, it's just, and it's it's an iconic guitar instrumental song. It's almost like an anthem rock song to me right. because you're right. It is super iconic. It it won a Grammy for best rock instrumental performance, and I think understandably so. It was voted number 17 in Guitar World magazine's list of 100 greatest guitar solos. I mean, everybody when they think of guitar instrumental songs, this is going to be one of the first ones you think of. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and he was kind of like, there was like this thing where it was like the big three. They did a tour. Mm-hmm. I think they were called the M3 or something like that. Or no, G3, the three guitar players, uh, which was Eric Johnson, uh, Joe Cetriani, and Steve Vai. Wow. And I think they did like a tour. That'd be uh, wild. Where, That'd be yeah. really cool to see. So um, if any of our listeners happen to remember that tour went on it, wow. uh, we'd love to know. Jeez. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Uh, okay. Well, what was your number three? And my number three was already mentioned by you, I think, very kind of lower on your list, but major top ten. And it's that surf rock anthem, Dick Dale's Miserloo. And that one is so high on my list. I just, I mean, I uh, obviously with some of my other ones that I've that you've heard, I love the fast playing. Like it sure. really gets me. And this one has that and nostalgia from being <laughs> with one of the greatest movies ever. Right. <laughs> so I, I just, I can't not think of the opening to Pulp Fiction when I hear this song, and all of that just makes me super happy. Um, yeah. And this is this, such a great iconic surf rock style. Uh, with this song that like you're right it started off as a like a Middle Eastern Lebanese or whatever folk song mm-hmm. and then he is just like yeah I'm gonna make this way more awesome and turn it into <laughs> and it's now this is the version of course that, that people think of um, I did read allegedly I don't know if it's true or not but apparently during a performance uh, Dale was bet by a young fan that he could not play a song on only one string uh, and at some point he had heard his father and uncles who were Lebanese Americans um, play Miserloo at some point mm-hmm. and he remembered them playing it. And so he, it was just on one string. And so he does it, but he does it so fast and so articulated. Yeah. Um, 
that it's it's, like, it's so interesting. Like you can to me. hear every note that he's playing, and he's exactly. playing pretty damn fast. He is, and and I, I whenever I hear the song, I always think. I love you, honey bunny. You know, oh, I love you. All right, all you fuckers, get down. Don't fucking move. And then, bound. It's, it's Pulp and Fiction, it's that, baby. It's that, that initial little slide down, the pew, before yeah. it actually starts, where you're like, oh, God, here we go. And then, boom, right into <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Such a good song. Um, it is. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add to it. It it, no. it hits the nostalgia in all the right ways. Yes. I remember... I remember uh, I remember hearing the Black Eyed Peas song that where they sampled this, and initially being very angry. They're like, "This is Miserlou. Don't fucking disrespect yes. Miserlou." Exactly. I kind of got over it eventually. And yeah. The song they did was fine. It was a radio hit for them. Yeah, but I was like, oh, "Don't don't disrespect Dick Dale like that." <laughs> exactly. I mean, there are there are three. This is the only one I think that has any lyrics, and it goes the ha ha. Ha! Like right. that's it. That's it. But that's I don't count that as. Legal. I didn't count. I, I didn't count yeah. that either. So. so, all right. I man, we have we're down to our top two, and there are two songs that I think are on your list. I don't know if they are or not, and I bet that you might be thinking that there's two songs on my list that I haven't been mentioned. But there's one song that you haven't mentioned that I fully expect you to mention. There's one song on my list that could be in your top two. Okay. The other song I guarantee you is not in your on your okay. and probably okay. one you've never heard before. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm a little surprised. Okay. So, my number 2 comes from the world of jazz. Okay. Um there is a jazz guitar player by the name of Pat Metheny oh, who yeah. I have loved for a long time. In fact, our mother also loved Pat Metheny. She had some of his albums. I think she was probably yeah. one of the ones who introduced me. Pat Metheny is also big in the classical like a lot of people who study classical music also love Pat Metheny. It's kind of weird, like just the way it yeah. works that way. Um, and he is a guitar player, and he has tons of songs. The thing that is interesting about Pat Metheny is he was one of the few jazz guys. When we think jazz, we think very traditional instruments. Mm-hmm. Piano, horns, uh, that sort like, of thing. Yeah, horns or sax or something yeah. like that. Um, and he used guitar, but he liked to use effects. Mm-hmm. And he he has, it's kind I mean, nowadays you're like, oh man, that is so 80s. But and yes, I could hear it in the sound. Um, but and we just talked Pat Metheny a little bit when we talked uh, Bruce Hornsby, which you can hear some of his sound uh, in that in that Hot House album. Um, but the other thing that Pat Metheny does that I love is he will accentuate his melodies that he plays on guitar with vocals, but no words. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't even call them scatting. They're literally just like vocalizations. Hmm. Like, whoa, 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 like stuff like that. And so he uses them as an instrument, not as a vocal, not as a lyrical thing, which is why I included it in here, because he doesn't use them the same way. Um, and uh, I used a song from his 1987 album called Still Life Talking. It's called Minwano 6 8.
There's a section in the middle where it kind of goes off into a Latin feel, and he does just an insane guitar solo in the middle of it. Um, Pat Metheny's one of those guys I could listen to everything he does. He's a fantastic guitar player, and he's he's really played a big part in my life. So I knew he was going to be on my list. Sure. And every time I listened to that song, it just it just kept getting pushed up and up and up and up uh, in my list for it. So, okay, that was my number two. What is yours? Uh, my number two is by a band we haven't talked about, and I do think has a chance to be on your list. Maybe number one. I don't know. It's one of the greatest southern rock bands of all time. My number two is Allman Brothers, Jessica. Higher on my list. Okay. All right. Not surprised. Uh, all right. Well, then that, is, that just leads straight into my number one. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about it. One of the greatest rock instrumentals of all time. Uh, a classic melody. Um, and yes, I mean, piano does feature prominently, and there's a really nice big piano solo in it. And uh, Greg Allman on the organ is kind of supplementing the main mm-hmm. melody, but it is clearly Dickie Betts on the yeah. guitar with the melody that is pulling things off. So I was like, okay, this is clearly a guitar Mm-hmm. Song and I think when they did it live, actually, I think they had the two guitar players play the melody and harmony instead of just uh, the organ. Sure. I think it was probably for logistical reasons because it was louder than the organ could mm-hmm. be. Um, but man, what a fun, fantastic song this is! Yeah, it's it's phenomenal for a band that is one. I mean, they have an amazing amount of hits that are just great. You know, we use we we had the Allman Brothers' greatest hits. Yeah. And, and, and I really, love them, and they have great And vocals. not even their only guitar oh. instrumental songs no. on that album. There's at least two other songs yes. that you could make a case for. Yeah, uh, uh, in memory Martha's of, or something. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I was going to say in uh, in memory of Elizabeth Reed. Yes, that's a good one, um, yes. And then yeah, Song for Martha, something for Martha. Yeah, some Martha song or Song for Martha, yeah, something some, like that. And, and those, at least, I think both of those, at least the Martha's one... Um, uses Dwayne Allman and his like slide guitar. And yeah. that's what I think a lot of people think of uh, Jessica though, which I think is agreed is the superior one. It's so good. Dickie yeah. Betts. This is, this was done after Dwayne Allman passed um, after he died. And it's just amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I can listen to it endlessly. Um, apparently he said uh, Dickie Betts, he named it after his daughter, Jessica mm-hmm. Betts. And it's a tribute to the gypsy jazz guitarist Django Reinhardt okay. in that it was designed to be played using only two fingers on the left hand, apparently. Okay. Um, but we uh, never could tell. But I'm just saying, just in general, it is, you're right, it's a phenomenal, beautiful song. I love Jessica. Yeah. Great, great song. I'm, and I, I'm, I, I knew immediately it was going to be my number one. Sure. I knew immediately it was going to be my number one. Um, all right, well, let's talk about your number one and see if I was correct. You were dead on. I knew okay. immediately what was going to be my number one. There was no way anything can usurp it because it is it is a song that I have just put on repeat. Like, literally, I just played it probably for like an hour straight on repeat, and it's Stevie Ray Vaughan's Little Wing. 
Um, I've mentioned it before. It's made other lists on, <laughs> on my... And, and the whole reason that you said I couldn't have it on as my guitar solo, I said, fuck you, I'm, gonna, I'm glad we're doing this so I can have it on this one. Um, you know, it's my power line, you know, uh, type of song <laughs> where there's no question what my number one is. Right. It was also on the Sky is Crying album from 1991, the posthumous album that we mm. talked about. Yep. And the, the emotion and the weight that are on the guitar on this song, it's just, it, it hits you. Yeah. I, I can, I, I, it's, it's like I listen to this song and I can sit and I can run through an entire gamut of emotions listening to this, to playing this song. Like there are yeah. times where the song just makes me happy and, and everything is good. And then I get like, oh my God, you get sad and melancholy. And then you just get, you get picked up at times. You run through everything listening to this one. And I, I fucking love it. Yeah. I absolutely love this song. It is phenomenal. Uh, there are a couple um, honorable mentions I'd love to bring up. Yeah, I have a few as well. So why okay. don't you throw some out? So I want to say there are a couple that would have absolutely made my list if we allowed songs after 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Rodri- Rodrigo a Gabriela song called Viking Man that came out in 2006. That would have been high on my list. Um, and then there's a, a lesser known song uh, by this guy, Sun, uh, Sun Lounger. This song "White Sand" that came out in two thousand and seven. It's like, it's like my chill song. It's my song mm. that I listen to if I feel my blood pressure is too high and I need to just come down. I put on "White Sand" and I, I can just let go. I can literally, if I'm super angry or whatever it is, I can put that song on, and I can chill. Um, so those would have made my list. And then I do want to throw out. On a list like this, you kind of there are a couple. Uh, was it Yui Malmsteen is an amazing shredding guitar guy. Yeah, he's at least worth mentioning. Yeah, and then of course a, a lot of people would have Eruption from yeah. Eddie Van Halen. I don't like Eruption all that I, much. I don't really either. <laughs> I mean, it shows great technical ability. Yeah, but it doesn't really. There's nothing for me to it, latch. And in my old and in my old age, like yeah, the beauty of a song is almost more important than the technical ability. It doesn't. It doesn't have a cohesiveness. Yeah, it, just, it doesn't go it just anywhere. Feels like it's just him trying to impress. Like, it, like it should just be right. a guitar solo within a bigger song. Right. But it's just kind of like him, just you know, being very impressive. Right. Um, I do want to throw out. I'm surprised that um, Fleetwood Max Albatross didn't make your list. It was a consideration. Okay. It was a consideration. Because okay. I know you love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. I yeah. So there's all. Th- Throwing a, a few man, I had a I had a bunch. Um, aside from that, um, uh, Jeff Beck, who's also a very well known yeah. guitar player, he, he had a, he, you got to mention him. Yeah, sure. he had a tune called "Lead Boots" that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great tune. Um, the Ventures song "Walk Don't Run" from 1960 is actually a very well known song. I bet if you heard it, you would absolutely recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also oh. had like uh, the Meter Sissy Strut. Which was a it was kind of like a like a pseudo funk. Similar to that, I had a classical gas. Yeah, yeah, that one was. And then one I'm going to mention because it also came after 2005. Our list there is a a Japanese kind of guitar rock star named Miyavi M I Y A V I who have kind of gotten into a few of his things. He did a really cool live acoustic 
version of a Nirvana song called Blue, which was off of the first Nirvana album okay. that I really which... like. I actually like his version better than I like Nirvana's okay. version. Um, uh, he's got a song off of an album from like 2008, I think. And I can't even pronounce the words. <laughs> it's three words. All three of them start with a Z. It's like Zikoi, Zigazizan, Zisikikikasha. I can't even fucking pronounce them. <laughs> I, I I don't know like if the if they're actual Japanese words, just Amer or Englified uh, for the actual writing or whatnot. It's just him going ham on an acoustic guitar. No okay, words, cool. just boom. It's like a couple minutes of just really kind of groovy, impress and impressive. Like almost that sort of percussive playing on an acoustic guitar, and so I wanted to mention uh, him because I, I I think he's you know he's it's worth getting his name out there to to audience sure. audiences for that. And then last one I'll mention um, Metallica's Orion. Oh yeah, it's an instrumental good. from them. You know it it's a fine song. Sure, I just I I put it on there on my list and I just found it just kind of pushed farther and farther. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Meh. it's just not one I want to talk about. So. Uh, honestly, this was a really fun list to put together. It yeah. was a lot of fun going back and revisiting songs that I hadn't listened to in a while and also trying to discover new ones that I knew I probably hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same uh, the same enjoyment doing the research on this. Sometimes the, the research is, is a lot more fun than other times, um, and this is one that I, I absolutely had to do the research to get where I wanted on my list, and I had a damn good time. Yeah. And hopefully our listeners maybe heard something that they had never heard before and maybe something yeah. that they liked and latched onto and we'll go discover. Uh, I, I haven't done this in a while and mostly just because I don't really want to do the work, but maybe this is one where I'll uh, put together a Spotify playlist of yeah. all these songs and attach it to cool. the liner notes, the liner notes to the, you know, the notes mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast. So if you want to hear them, you can go get them. So I, I, Look for that. I'm not promising that it's going to happen, <laughs> but because we're so we're very lazy people. Yes, we're very lazy. Jeez. <laughs> um, but it, you know, these are songs that I really want to get out there, so I think it'd be worth uh, probably doing. So, sure. uh, all right, that was our top ten guitar instrumental songs. Please join us next time as Adam and I go to the future to break down the 1993 film Demolition Man, discuss the cartoon Futurama and recast Demolition Man using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.